Good morning, everybody. I don't know about you guys. I was on the fence whether I was going to the connection dinner, but Cassie's going, so I'm going. So if you guys haven't been, you guys should go. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. Our teaching pastor, Pastor Matt, will be back next Sunday. He is just coming back from a three-week vacation. So I'd encourage you, if you've never heard him preach, to come back and definitely check that out. He is a very gifted preacher. And I get to make another really, really cool announcement. In July, there are five Sundays. So he's come up with the 5 of July that he's going to let you guys pick what he's going to preach on. Ooh, is right. So there should be a number right there. You can text your ideas right there to that number. You can also go on the app. We have a free Redemption Church app. There's a tile in there. You can just click on that. Put in your suggestions. Put as many as you want. You're not limited to just one. And then we are going to compile them, get them down to 10. And then in coming weeks, you get to vote on which five he's going to preach from. So that's pretty cool, eh? So I expect wonderful things, wonderful suggestions to come from you guys. Um, the next thing we want to talk about is the hub giving, right? We've challenged, Pastor Matt challenged us to give $440,000. And right now, it's actually, I do these on Wednesday, and you guys are, you don't stop giving on Wednesday. Awesome. You, it's actually about, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars more than that. So awesome. Keep, keep going on that. We're 62% to our goal. So this is very exciting. If you have not been down there, you can't really see anything unless you go inside the construction fence. But there is a giant hole um, that is covered, is lined with plastic, and then down at the bottom, there are all the gravels down there, and tomorrow they're going to start pouring concrete for the, uh, the sand filter vault. So it's very, very cool. Glad you guys can get to go down there and see, you know, what's going on. So let's pray, and let's start this, this thing off here. Lord, I pray that you be with us today. I pray that you will open our hearts to hearing what it is, what it means to be fully following you. We really, really crave your presence here this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been doing the series, If Then, right? If we are followers of Jesus, then certain things are true to our lives. Again, full clarification. Our salvation is not tied to those things. Salvation is a gift from God. There isn't anything we can do or, or can't do to, to, to be saved other than Jesus' grace. But these are byproducts of being followers of Jesus. Right? And today is, if we claim to follow Jesus, then we are servants to others. Foundational thing about Christianity. And just as kind of, because this is the last one I'm going to do for a while, if any of these if-thens, if, if you're not concerned with what the Bible says a follower of Jesus is, you might want to talk to him. Okay, because I think if we claim to follow Jesus, we should probably be pretty concerned about that. We're going to start in uh, the book of John, verse chapter 13, verse 3. Pretty wild story. This is pretty wild. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he'd come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash your feet, you won't belong to me. And when he'd washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, so that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you keep them. I'm not sure we can fully understand what a wild story that is. If you can imagine the apostles being in that circumstance, these guys who have hung out with him nonstop for three years, couch surfing, camping with him, right, eating with him, three entire years. This would be wild. You know, if you're an apostle, this must have just, every day must have been something. You know, when he first started out, you think, well, Jesus does something, you think, well, this is who Jesus is, right? And then the next afternoon, he does something else. He goes, okay, he's this. And then the day after, he'll do something else, and he's this. When they get to this point, they had a very good understanding of who he was, but for him to wash their feet had to blow their minds. It, it, it just had to. Because remember, at this point, he's actually gone and said, I forgive your sins to people. That was a mind-bender, right? For, for a guy walking around the earth to say, I forgive your sins. He's given sight to the blind. He's cast out demons. He's raised people from the dead. Just right before this, he rides into Jerusalem, and his fans are going nuts, right? They're cheering, they're clapping. They're laying down palm branches and robes on the ground like they would a conquering king so his colt wouldn't walk in the dirt. He's getting—and he's claimed to be God, too, right? Should, Should we not— Should we not mention that? He's claimed to be God. He's getting ready for this traditional celebration of Passover, right? It's full of all these specific things they had to do. You had to eat certain foods in a certain order. You had to eat vegetables, then unleavened bread, then bitter herbs, then salt water, then paste made of apples and cinnamon, then lamb, then a boiled egg. It's all laid out how it's going to happen. Lots of rules to follow. You know what one of the rules was? Not that the host would get down and wash feet. This was a big deal. He starts off as a king. He enters the room as a king, I would say. And then he assumes the posture of a slave. This was a very degrading task. Imagine you're walking around Jerusalem all the time. You walk around the Middle East, you're wearing sandals, dirt, right? This would be a nasty job to wash somebody's feet. This was a job that was reserved for slaves, but not just any slaves. Jewish slaves couldn't do this. Only Gentile slaves could do this. This was very, very degrading. And it's an example to us that we are to serve because he has served us. I think this is one of the clearest directives that Jesus gives in Scripture. He does not hide this in any way. Right? This is pretty, pretty out there. Right? He's, he's not using a parable. He's saying, if, then. If you're one of my followers, you're going to do like I do. Very, very direct. He's being very clear to what he expects from them. He's being very clear to what he expects from us. And I think as we look at this, why are we called to serve? I think one of the reasons we are called to serve, one of the purposes for the church is to transform us, right? To make us different. To make us more like Jesus. It's to shape us. That's one of the church's primary duties. And so let's go and list here How are we to be shaped according to Jesus? This is taken from Scripture. These are in your notes if you want to 
if you want to fill in the blanks here. But the first thing he calls us to honor each other. To honor each other. We're to bear with each other. We're to accept each other. We're to forgive each other. We're to pray for and confess our sins to each other. We're to encourage each other. We're to challenge each other. We're to admonish and confront each other. We're to warn and teach each other. We're to stop gossiping and slandering each other. We're to bear each other's burdens, and we're to submit to each other. That is a list. Imagine if that's in your corporate handbook. Hey, this is what we expect from, from you guys. You work for our company. We expect this. It's like, what? I'm out. I'm out. You guys are crazy. There is no way that I'm going to give up all that. There's no way I'm going to surrender my privacy, my comfort, the rule of my life for this. That's a lot to give up. As followers of Jesus, that's a lot to give up. But what did Jesus give up? Philippians 2 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus gave up a lot. We can't exaggerate how much he gave up. This, this shaping us in church, this transforming us through church, through interaction with each other. A, f- a friend of mine who's a pastor said, the reason why God set up church the way he did is so we'll rub up against each other, right? You know, if there's somebody, I don't like the way that person sings, and this one prays this way, and, you know, it's, 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 it's to make us smoother. We're supposed to do that. And I am so happy that there are people watching online. I am happy that you're watching online, you're hearing the gospel preached, but you're missing some stuff. I know there are people online that can't come for medical reasons, and I'm glad you can hear this. However, not having to put on your shoes is not a medical reason, okay? Part of the thing that you're missing out by watching online is this, being shaped by other people. So if, if, you're, if you're in the habit of doing that, and I know that COVID has changed a lot of things, and that's one of the things that's changed, I'd ask you to talk to Jesus about that, because I do think that you, it is vital that you are in amongst the believers, because I, I don't think it on my own, I think it because Jesus set it up that way. Now, I've heard other people say, well, I have Christian, Christian community in my bar, or my club, or my friend group, right? Could be true. Or I've also heard people say, I feel closest to God when I'm in my garden, or I'm hiking, or I'm out on the water. That all sounds nice. That is not Christianity. Jesus didn't set it up that way. Jesus didn't die for your club, or your boat, or your trail. He died for his church. He set it up that way on purpose. One of the reasons why Jesus wants his followers to come to church is so that we would 
be developed and develop others. That's how he did it. It's really important. He wants you and I to serve and to be served amongst each other. Now, I get it. I understand the temptation to watch online only. One of the appealing things of watching online, I think, is because we're insulated from people. We don't have to invest in people. We don't have to serve people. I get it. I get it. But it's not how God intends it. Some of this may actually be intentional. I'm not saying that you guys are deciding intentionally not, you know, not to come because you don't want to meet people or you don't want to have to serve. Some of it's unintentional, but I get that draw. We are not only to be a consumer of the things of church. We are called to be a fully functioning part of the body. I've used this term. I bet you guys have used this term. When you move to a new town, what do you say before you get a church? You say you're going to shop for church, right? I'm going to go shopping for church. That convicts me because I don't think we should be shopping for church like, like consumers, right? I think what we should be doing is say, I'm looking for a place where God wants to grow me and use me to grow others. That's what we should say. That's how we should find a church home. Not for what completely that we experience as a consumer. We want to help. This same phenomenon, by the way, can, can happen in megachurches. I went to a megachurch for about 10 years, and you can be anonymous. You can go to a church of 3,000, 4,000, 10,000 people and never get known. You can sit there, take it all in, blow out the back door. Nobody, nobody will ever say anything. You don't have to get messy by dealing with people. I don't believe that's what God intends. He intends us to know and to be known in our church. I think the, the, the major thing that you're going to miss by watching only online is the opportunity to serve. Being a follower of Jesus is not a spectator event. We have to roll up our sleeves and get in it. Now, all that being said, Redemption Church, congratulations. You are a serving church. Truly, you are a serving church. Pastors get uh, data all the time from these Christian polling groups, and it tells you, you know, how many people give, and, you know, what percentage of people do this, and what percentage come three times a month and one time a month. When we look on that scale, Redemption Church serves at at least three times, maybe four times the national average percentage-wise. So you guys are cons Yeah, give it up. Give it up. We have room to grow. <laughs> it is a serving church. We have room to grow. This is how I know that Redemption Church— one of the reasons I know that Redemption Church is a serving church. I, I uh, met a guy who'd, who'd left our church, and I ran into him, and I started talking to him. Hey, where are you fellowshipping now? And he told me where. And I said, oh, what, what made you leave? And he said, because I knew it was about time when somebody was going to come and ask me to serve. And I said, well, you know, there's verses that speak to this. And he goes, yep, I know. But I, but I give him credit. If that's—you don't want to be a, a part of a church who does not ignore Scripture, even the messy parts of Scripture, right? If you want to be that, then yeah, Redemption Church is not the place for you. If you think that you should come here and consume and just blow out and never have a burden to serve, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable here. Because we focus on the Bible. See the, see the scary music? <laughs> Thank you for that. Whatever that was, that really underlined that I like. All right. The other thing, particularly, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people return to church, you know, because COVID did this weird stuff, and I see these people. It's like, it's really like being reunited with family, because that's exactly what it is, right? Somebody I haven't seen for years, they're coming back. And I hear this quite a bit. They'll say, well, you know, I don't even recognize anybody in the church. It's a different church than it was through 
three years ago. Amen, it is. Maybe it's time for you to reboot, right? Maybe it's time for you to get to know people in a way that you don't know them right now. And a fantastic way to be known and get connected is serving. And ask anybody that serves on a serving team, they will tell you that. It's a great, great way to develop being known and knowing people. Sometimes we can think mistakenly that pastors and elders are the ones supposed to serve. I have terrible news for you guys. I have a scripture that's going to be terrible, terrible for you. I've also had people come to me and say, um, I've, you know, I've been developing this relationship with, with somebody, and they want to know about Jesus, you know, and, and so you need to go them, there and tell them about Jesus. Or another person will come to me and said, I have this vision. God gave me this vision for this ministry that, that, you know, I think that we should be doing, and I think that you should do that. And what I say is, well, if God introduced this person to you and you've developed a relationship, then I'm, I'm very sure that God wants you to witness to them. And if God gave you this vision for ministry and not me, I'm very certain that you're the one that is supposed to lead that ministry. Let me know how I can help you. That's, how it com- that's what it comes down to. Not my words. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What a motivator to serve. Then we will no longer be immature like children, We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Everybody is supposed to work for the same purpose, to make to make the whole body grow to become more like Jesus. And if you use that, that body analogy, you know, if, 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 if I were to lop off my right arm, I'm going to be affected in what I can do, right? I still do stuff, but not as well as I can with it. So if you're missing at home, and I believe that God engineers churches in such a way that he brings people together. I don't know if there's a committee up there or if God just knows, but I believe that somebody's saying we need two of these and we need six of those and we need seven of these and one of these to make it all work. It's supernatural. Don't fight supernatural. Romans 12 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it to others gladly. You are coming to Christ. This is First uh, Peter 2. I was just reflecting on this because I think it's in the lyrics of one of the songs that we sang this morning, and I didn't tell uh, Trent what passages we were, we were going to use. So isn't it weird how coincidence happened when God's involved? 
First Peter 2 says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What is more, you are his holy priests. Following Jesus is not a passive activity. So, you may be, you may be serving at your full capacity right now. I don't know. I'm sure some of you are. I know some of the people, there are some in this congregation, if they came to me and said they wanted to do something, I would tell them, nope, you're doing too much already. Leave it for somebody else. Okay? Maybe, maybe you're there. That's awesome. If you're at peace with that, Jesus telling you that, hear him. Maybe you can serve at the next level. Maybe you're not doing it at all. But I guarantee if you're coming to church, there's something he wants you to be doing. What's your function? Are we letting you do your function? If you don't feel equipped, if you don't feel like you are— um, if you're being restrained in some way from your function, please come to me. Please come to one of the other elders. Let's talk about that. So, let's say you're not serving. You're honest with yourself, or I'm really not serving. What should I do? The first thing I would say is maybe I need a heart change. If I'm having trouble loving others in genuine ways, maybe I need to ask Jesus to change my heart. You want a prayer that he'll answer every time? This guy over here, remember the guy before it was annoying me? This guy, I don't like this guy. He annoys me over here. I could pray to Jesus and say, please change Bruce so he stops annoying me. Never will he answer that one. The one he will change is, Jesus, I'm sorry. I need to love Bruce better. Would you change me to make him love, love him so I can love him fully like you do? Will you, will you Jesus, change my heart so I can see him like you see him? He will answer that one every time, every single time. All right, what if I say I have no time? I have no time. Scott, it's big talk. You're supposed to serve, but I have no time. You don't know my schedule. I don't know your schedule. But if, if more than just a season you're saying I have no time, you may be doing too much. If for more than a season you have no time, I might say, well, am I ordering my life on a kingdom schedule or on a social schedule, on a social media schedule, on a sports schedule? Maybe I suffer from from FOMA, you know what that is, right? Fear of missing out. FOMO, is that FOMO? Sorry. If that's you, you need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me with this. Is what is important to me important to God? I don't know. Does Jesus care how much time I spend on social media? I doubt he's telling me to be on it more. He may tell me to be on it less. Does Jesus care about how many sporting events I go to? Does Jesus care about how many parties I go to? Maybe. Maybe. But it's a conversation to have with him for sure. I need to ask Jesus to show me what he wants me to prioritize every day. Every single day. There's an amazing story about this in Acts. So Peter has this vision in Acts 10 where, I mean, it's a pretty wild vision, right? Where food, animals, and stuff is being lowered down. It's an amazing vision. And he, you know, he experiences all this, and he's sitting there, and he's trying to figure it out. And I would think, if that happened to me, I wouldn't want anything else to disturb me. Hey, I gotta process this. This crazy thing happened to me. I don't really know what it means yet. He's doing this. He's reflecting on the vision. It, it says, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. 
We need to be in tune enough to God that, that we can hear him telling us to do stuff. We can start by placing others first every day. Before, before our feet hit the bed, come, hit the floor coming out of bed, put others first. I can start to look for people that God puts in my path every day, and I can develop what I'm referring to as a serving antenna, right? Some people have fantastic serving antennas. I've been with them before. We walk into a coffee shop, and I'm oblivious. You know, I've got to decide what I'm going to order and everything. This person looks over there and says, I wonder what, what's the matter. It's just some guy sitting there. I, I would have looked past him. I wonder what that, wonder, you know, we should go over there. We should go pray for that guy. Or, or, or just say hi to him. Or maybe, you know, get him a second cup of coffee, whatever, the, whatever it is. We all need, I, I know I need this. I'm going to confess to you, almost every time I preach, I'm preaching myself. I would say the same thing if you guys weren't here. I need to develop that in me. I need to develop my serving antenna so I can look for ways that God is giving me, obvious ways that God has given me. Twice in my life, I've been, I can still remember both these times where I had such an opportunity to serve, it was vital that I do that thing, and I ignored him. Develop that, those serving antennas so we know where God puts it in our, in our path. Here's one for me, and I've been reading this, self, this statement to me for the last two years. How different would my life look if I committed to making every person I interact with feel better than they did before we spoke? So there's 130 people in this room. Imagine if we all did that for the next 30 days. What would happen to Duval? What would happen to the East Side? What would happen to our country? We need to be in tune with God's direction. And if you feel like you're being led to serve, you're being led to serve, okay? promise. You can ask me, but that's what I'm going to tell you. If you ask me, then I'm saying, yep, that God wants you to do that. Our default should be to serve. All right, so let me give you some practical stuff. There are lots of ways to serve outside of our church that are awesome. Most of the verses we've been reflecting on today are talking about inside the church, but we're to serve outside of the church as well. And there's lots of places you're probably doing already. You can serve your, your car club, your garden club. You can coach uh, your kids' soccer team. Those are really good things to do. Those things though, are, are bound to a blessing on your own life, right? O over and above serving, we derive something from that, right? I, I'm in a car club, I serve the car club, and that way the car club continues to exist that I can be part of. I coach my kid's soccer team because nobody else wanted to do it, and they wouldn't be able to play soccer, right? Those are things, the benefits we get. They're all good things, but we're receiving these benefits. If that's where you stop, I would challenge you to turn up the volume on your serving and look for ways that you do not benefit. Christian service is costly. Don't believe me? Look at who we follow. Jesus' service didn't benefit him. It cost him. But he was being faithful to God. He knew it was to do, that it was for him to do. There are lots of organized ways to serve within our community outside of the church. There's big brothers and big sisters. Awesome thing to do. There's local food banks. There's union gospel missions. A couple of them that are within driving distance. There's crisis, crisis pregnancy centers. There's Bridge Receiving, which, which Redemption helps support, and Treehouse for Kids. Both of those deal with helping kids in the foster care program. Which, by the way, when you read in the Bible, every time it says orphans, translate that to foster care. Because that's who our orphans are. Okay? All this being said, you're also to serve in your church. There are lots of ways to serve at Redemption. You can serve on the set-up-and-tear-down teams. 
every, every week, two big trailers pull in, and one gets fully set up out there, and one gets set up here. Guess what happens? It doesn't happen on its own, right? People have to do that. They're, they're here at 7.30, 8 o'clock, and then when, when we all are enjoying our donuts and shaking hands, they are starting to tear stuff down. So that's an important place to serve. RC Kids, another place to serve. And, and Miss Dana's come up with this really trial, summer trial system to where you can go and you can just try it out for the summer, right? They like to give the teachers the summer off. So if you're willing to serve for two and a half months, something like that, they'll give you the training. You can see how it works. VBS. VBS is coming up at the end of July. Very, very powerful ministry. It's only three mornings, nine to noon. Very, very small time to serve. Very, very powerful effect on the community and upon our kids. You can serve in youth ministry. You can serve on the safety team. You can host a regroup. We are rebooting our regroups in September. We're going to need lots more leaders than we have because one of the best ways to be known and no others is to be in a small group. So that would be another thing. If you're interested in that, come see me. Also, when we have our new building done, there's a couple of things that we're going to have to expand and a couple things that are going to be brand new. One is we're going to need a wedding coordinator. And that's, that's a vital thing to have in a church. We're going to have people that are going to want to do weddings. Um, if you're interested in that, come see me. We're also going to need somebody to oversee our landscaping. We're going to have landscaping that goes beyond having a gravel lot. So... Uh, the maintenance is going to be higher. So if that's something that you are, are uh, willing to serve in, we need somebody to lead that team. Basically, it comes down to we need to be asking ourselves whether we've assumed personal responsibility for church ministry in some way. Am I a ministry producer or just a ministry consumer? We should be both. I definitely consume lots and lots of ministry, but we also want to be producers as well. Now, I know there's people here, and probably people online that say, I can't do any of that, and that might be true. Maybe, especially for the people that are infirm, they can't make it in. You know what you can do? You can be part of the redemption response team. We have a group online, in our, in our online um, service, that we have, I think there's 39 people in that group, and they're available to pray. Like, anytime I get a prayer that's not just for the elders, it goes in that group. They pray for them. Maybe they need food brought in you know, they're, they're, in, they're in mourning or they've had some kind of, uh, you know, medical challenge. Maybe they need somebody to take them to a doctor's appointment. You know, they need, or they need something. They need, we've stacked wood. We've um, done gardening. We've done minor carpentry, all that kind of stuff. You all can be part of that group because you all can pray. If you're followers of Jesus, you're talking to him every day. This is something you can do. There's 39 people in that group as of last Wednesday. There's between four and 500 people that call Redemption Church home. Wrong. That's a bad thing. That should be a much, much bigger number, right? We should just be, every time we post something in there, God should, oh no, it's a redemption response team again. Bring in something. I got to deal with this right now, right? They're going to pester me to death. There's 400 people asking for this. We got to make this happen. How about how you can serve independently of church, independently of organized groups? You can attend to a neighbor. If you have a neighbor that, you know, is elderly, nobody's checking in on them, that should be you. Um, babysitting for young parents. It's so important for, you know, when we do marriage counseling, we always say you need a date. You need to date your spouse. That all works fine until you have a couple of kids. Then, then it gets a little messy. And holy cow, the babysitter's union. Crazy. They, they get paid so much. It's, I can't believe it. Every time somebody tells me, I go, what? For one babysitter? 
So if you can come in and, and just babysit for them once a month, how awesome would that be? What a great, would that bless anybody? Of, if, yeah, there's a couple right down here. So if you need somebody, there they are down there. You could drive for somebody. If you're going to Costco and you know somebody that doesn't get out much, hey, what can I get for you? Do you need one of those 10-pound things of uh, licorice? Um, yes. If you asked me that, I said, yes, I do. I'm down to a half a pound of licorice. Um, all of this is an act of evangelism, by the way. All this service is an act of evangelism, right? We are being Jesus to the community. We are being Jesus to the others in church. We are being Jesus to, to our neighbors. And it goes back to that thing before. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep, right? One of the words for elders is shepherd. The, the body is who's supposed to be going out and, and, and taking Jesus outside of the church. Serving inside and outside the church is living out the gospel. If we claim to follow Jesus, then we are servants to others. Now, this is the sixth in a series. And the first three dealt with our identity being first, foremost, and finally in Jesus, the Great Commission, and everything that we have belongs to Jesus. Those all really speak to serving on some level, right? Everything we have belongs to Jesus, including our time, which I think in Western Washington is the most vital commodity that we have is our time. So I know that service is costly, but if we're following Jesus, he doesn't mince words about this. This is what we're supposed to, supposed to be submitting to him. Now, if you're still listening, you're still in the room, you're not follower of Jesus, amen. I believe God must have, must have brought you here to hear this, because this is kind of an inside baseball thing. And my background is marketing. Before I was a pastor, I worked in marketing. And I've been in a number of meetings where I've been called into Fortune 500 companies to basically convince the client not to ask what they're asking for, because it's too much. Right? They would ask for this crazy thing that was either going to be too expensive or just not possible or crazy, right? And so we would have to just diplomatically explain to them, yeah, this is, this is not really attainable because it's too much. It's too big of an ask. And if I wasn't a believer and I was in first century Israel and I was hired to come in as a part of a marketing team to market Christianity, I would say, you know what? Let's back off a little bit on the if-then stuff. Okay, it's, 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 it's a bit much. Let's, let's just back off a little bit. We're asking a lot. Because it seems like, as followers of Jesus, we're being asked to trade in so much of everything. Right? We're to trade in our life, our freedom, our rights, our possessions, everything. For what? For what are we, what are we, what are we trading this for? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 speaks to this. It says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look to the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. If you're not following Jesus, what you trade here, you ask him to, to, to make you believe this, what you trade here is infinitesimal to what you get. We have a, a, one of our statements here is, life is better with Jesus, it is better with Jesus. 
it, every, everything that we go through, tragedies and victories, Jesus is by us. He equips us. He supports us. He, 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 he lifts us up to the Father. Plus eternity. Plus eternity. We trade temporary stuff for peace, hope, joy, and eternity. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. I'm going to end with this. Jim Elliott was a missionary to, uh, to natives in South America and gave his life up literally for Jesus. He was killed because of the gospel. And he said this about that. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you're not following Jesus, reflect on that because that is truth. God is waiting to celebrate with you as you turn toward him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you love us so much that you set up this system of church to, to make us more like you, to, to enable us to even approach what it is to be like you. Thank you that you're so loving, that you sacrificed everything, that beyond our imagination, you sacrificed for us, with us on your minds. I pray, Father, that we would look this week for opportunities that you give us to serve, for opportunities that you give us to live out the gospel, for opportunities that you give us to grow through all that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.